you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. I'd like to entitle this message, The Global Harvest, but I also like to subtitle it, The Unstoppable Gospel. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 begins with this statement. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. What exactly is Pentecost? What is the significance of this event? And what is its significance to us 21st century Christians today? And what were they doing together in one place? To shed light to the passage we just read, we want to look at the verse before and the few verses after. Acts 1 says, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise. Everybody say the promise. Which he was referring to, the Holy Spirit later, of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And in verse 8, it tells us the reason why we have to wait for the promised Holy Spirit. When you will receive power, when the Holy Spirit come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Four words that stands out here. The promised Holy Spirit is absolutely, absolutely essential to enable us and to empower us to carry out our ministry of being witnesses by preaching the gospel to all creation, making disciples of all nations to the ends of the earth. No amount of human experience, strategic planning, Passion will cut it apart from the working of the Holy Spirit. Zechariah 4, 6 says, it's not by might nor power. We have a lot of mighty men and mighty women in our church. But it's not enough that we are full of zealous leaders. It has to be supernaturally by the power of God. The other foundational scripture is in Joel chapter 2. Why? Because this is the prophetic fulfillment, what we read in Acts 2. Is a prophetic fulfillment of Joel chapter 2. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, on the sons and the daughters. In Acts 2.17, the Bible says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I don't know about you guys, but this is so exciting. Come to think of it. In Acts 1.8, God said, you will receive power to become my witnesses. God is preparing all the Christians to carry out His work, His workers. But here in Acts 2.17, God is saying, now I'm not just preparing workers, I'm preparing every soul to have a divine encounter with me. God is pouring out His Spirit on all people, on all flesh, so that they can receive the gospel. All flesh includes your unsaved parents, unsaved brother and sister, unsaved relatives, unsaved neighbors and friends and workmates and classmates, even your enemies. No one, because of Pentecost, no one is now beyond the reach of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everyone is vulnerable to the witness of the Spirit of the living God. To understand more about Pentecost, it is important that we get an overview of the Jewish festivities or festivals to fully appreciate the significance of Pentecost. This is a Jewish calendar. There are eight major events in a year. Because of limited time, we will only cover the first four. The first month in a Jewish calendar is called the month of Nisan. And the very first Jewish festivity that is being celebrated is the Passover. 
is a commemoration of the liberation of the children of Israel from bondage to Egypt. But the Egyptian didn't just walk out of Egypt. It is called Passover for a reason. God had to deal with the nation of Egypt, and the final blow was the final judgment, and the spirit of death was going to come. And to spare the firstborn male in every household, they have to take a lamb, get its blood, put the blood on the doorpost of the house, so when the spirit of death comes, and it sees the blood, it what? It pass over the house. It's not because of the righteousness of the people inside the house that spirit of death passed over them. It's because of the righteousness that is in the blood. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, Jesus is our Passover lamb. If you accepted Jesus in your life, you have the blood of Jesus over you. So whatever happens and judgment come, or if we die prematurely, God forbid, when the spirit of death comes and see the blood of Jesus, it will simply pass over you. We are saved not because of our own righteousness. We are saved because of the righteousness that is in Christ. He clothes us with the robes of righteousness. That is a picture of the Passover. Day two is the unleavened bread. The reason why they, they, they have to live in haste. They have no time to bake bread with leaven. So it's, they celebrated the exodus from Egypt. Unleavened bread is to be celebrated for seventh day. The seventh day is the picture of the crossing of the Red Sea. And if you want to go deeper into this, the Bible says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 2, they were baptized into Moses into the sea. It's a picture of baptism. And in Romans 6, 3, the Bible says, those who are baptized in Christ is what? Identified with his death, burial, and resurrection. What does unleavened bread picture? It's a picture of the burial of Christ. Third day, day three, is the festivity of the first fruits. The first and the best harvest is being offered to God. That is the picture of the first fruits. In Luke 24, what is it? What, what is it significant to us? That is the resurrection of Jesus. He was raised on the third day. That's why in Luke 24, verse 46, it says that Christ will suffer, and on the third day, He will rise from the dead, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Because Jesus died, our sins can now be forgiven. Because He rose from the dead, we can now receive eternal life. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Now go proclaim my good news. Amen? Now people can come. The harvest can now come and be dedicated to God. But wait, there's more. It said, do not leave Jerusalem until you are clothed. Luke 6, 49 says, wait for the promise of my Father. Do not leave Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. So they waited exactly 50 days later from the first fruits is the outpouring of Pentecost. The outpouring of God's Spirit. The literal Hebrew meaning of Pentecost is 50th. The feast of before Pentecost, it's called the Feast of Weeks. Why? That happens 50, sorry, sorry. It's 50 days later, Leviticus 23, 15 says, you shall count seven full weeks. Seven Full weeks times seven days equals what? 49. The next day is the Feast of Weeks. Haven't you noticed something? The Feast of Weeks, the symbol, this is not my, my uh, 
This is not my graphics. This is a real Jewish calendar right here. If you notice, the Feast of Weeks, the symbol is a tablet. Why? Because exactly 50 days from the time they crossed the Red Sea, they landed into Mount Sinai where God gave the Torah, the law. And we know who the law is. The Word of God is Jesus Christ. Amen? So this is the picture, the giving of the Torah. According to Jewish scholars, this is the day Judaism was born. And because of Pentecost, this was the day the church was born. It's an amazing parallel. And there's something else. In the Feast of Weeks, two loaves are offered as a wave offering, which later came to symbolize Jews and Gentiles becoming one in Christ. In Ephesians 2, it says, For Christ Himself is our way of peace. He has made peace between us Jews and you Gentiles by making us all one family. Everybody say one family. Breaking down the wall of contempt that used to separate us. The church is a place of healing. A place where division ought not to exist. Because Jesus blew away all these barriers of hostility and divisions. By His death, He ended the angry resentment between us caused by the Jewish laws that favored the Jews and excluded the Gentiles. For He died to annul that whole system of Jewish laws. Then He took the two groups that had been opposed to each other and made them parts of Himself. Thus, He fused us together to become one new person. And at last, there was peace. As part of the same body, our anger against each other has disappeared. For both of us had been reconciled to God. And so the feud ended at last at the cross. This reminds me of our church in Nepal. One of the most oppressive social systems is the caste system. Although outlawed in the early 60s, but yet high caste people do not associate with low caste. They don't want their kids intermarrying with low caste. If you are low caste, you are doomed to a life of poverty. But God's commission for us, go preach the gospel to all creation. So we have people saved from the highest caste to the lowest caste and a lot of people in between. And what I'm about to show you is the picture of our team. Our missionary team have done such an outstanding job that now all the full-time staff are led by Nepali Christians. Can we give the Lord a big end? But I'm showing you this picture. I'm showing you this picture to say that aside from the miracle of God breaking down bears, this would have been impossible them for them to sit together and take this picture together. Because they are all made up of high caste, low caste, and a lot of people in between. So our church is a living testimony of that in the nation of Nepal. Our church, so many people, all kinds of people, because God destroyed all the hostility and the barrier. Whether we like it or not, no matter how rich and how poor you are, no matter how educated or not educated you are, we are all one in Christ. Amen? No discrimination. The same Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, lives inside of me, lives in Pastor Mark. The same Holy Spirit lives inside of every single one of us. Whether you like it or not, we have one Heavenly Father in heaven. That makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. There's something else. Pentecost also means, I said, means literally in Hebrew, 50th. In Jewish practice, every 50th year, they celebrate what we call Jubilee. In that year, it involved a year of release from indebtedness, all types of bondage, all prisoners and captives were set free. All slaves were released. All debts were forgiven. All property was returned to its original owner. 
Leviticus 25.10, you shall consecrate the 50th year because it shall be a jubilee for you. It reminds me what Jesus declared in Luke 4.18 when he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Brothers and sisters, because of Pentecost, no one now is beyond the reach of the gospel. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will now be saved. The only real issue is, will we be faithful to the call to be witnesses? For how can they call on the one they have not even believed? And how can they believe in the one they have not even heard about? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless every nation, churches worldwide, mobilize its people to minister to people of all nations, all tongues, all languages? I want to go back very quickly to just show you in the few more minutes that I have the few phenomenon in the text that we read. One of this is in verse 2. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. This was a picture not only of the pouring of God's Spirit, but a display of God's invisible power. It reminds me of what John 3, 8 says, The wind blows wherever it, where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know what, where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit of God. It's almost like saying you don't know what hit you. You don't know what hit you. Your life is ruined. Your life is completely turned upside down. You know what, brothers and sisters? We have no power to convert people. But if we allow ourselves, this is what happens when we minister in the Spirit. In your simplicity, in your just being yourself, you don't have to be loud. You could be the most gentle person in the whole world. But if you allow yourself to be used by God, you watch what God will do in your behalf. He's the one that convicts, opens people's eyes. He's the one that transforms people, calls people. He's the one that revolutionizes people's lives. Reminds me of a story, our story in China. At one time, our church in China doesn't have a single convert. When we started the work, our team all scared up because they're afraid what will happen, you know. Police might catch them or they'd go to jail or something like that. They were, our first outreach was in University of Shaman in, of course, in Shaman, China. Rain poured before the outreach, so they got stuck in a waiting shed. While standing there, they, of course, they were speaking English. And then one guy was standing here and said, Foreigner, you speak English? And of course, they said, well, yes, we are. We're visitors from the Philippines, and we will start, we're about to start an English club. In an hour from now, would you like to join? The rest was history because that guy today is the, the apostolic leader of all our churches in China. He, he never knew the name of God. He had to look up the name of Jesus in a dictionary because he never heard of Jesus. And today, 3,000 3, members in 10 major cities, not in some countryside somewhere, in the top major cities, Beijing and Xiamen and Xi'an and Shanghai and Guangzhou and all these major, major cities. We, we planted three churches just this year alone. 256 attended the Unashamed Conference in Manila. They plan to plant 30 brand new churches by 2030, and they want to raise up 200 full-time campus ministers by 2030. That's at least six full-time every year. I'll tell you, we are attracting some of the best leaders in China, lawyers, doctors, uh, you know, philo- uh, professors. So many of them are coming 
to the kingdom of God. Our church is just exploding all over China today. Who did God use? Simple, ordinary people who just allowed the Holy Spirit to use them, and the rest was history. Amen? Never, never underestimate what God will do in and through your life. The next phenomenon I want to see, there are three I want to show you. This is the second one. And divided tongues as a fire appeared and rested, uh, appeared to them and rested on each one of them. See, tongues symbolize speech and communication of the gospel. You know what? Because of Pentecost, God will anoint you to proclaim His gospel. You think you're struggling? Let me tell you, once you make a step of faith, God will anoint your lips to speak forth as His oracle. Amen? And not only that, in cases of cross-cultural challenges, God will give you the ability to even communicate cross-culturally. Why do you think we're able to plant all these churches in Nepal, in Laos, in Cambodia? These are different languages, but yet there are no more barriers because of the grace of God on us. And fire symbolizes God's purifying presence, making sure that our lives are fully consecrated. God getting rid of things that distracts us, slows us down. And not only that, it also is a picture of spiritual fervor. God ignites a fire in us. You know, you want to be used by God? You just said, Lord, use me. Let me tell you, God's going to zap you. He's going to put a passion in your heart. Have you ever been around people that are on fire for God? You get ignited, right? That's what happens. You know, uh, in Pentecost, as we will look at earlier, that's what happens when they see you are so, what's happening with you? It's what I call an attraction factor, an attention grabber. Is there anything in your life that people can see and make them ask, what does this mean? This, the factor here is the Holy Spirit. And here's another very important phrase. It rested on each one of them. Every believer in that room received the blessing. No one was excluded. Lest you think this is only for some spiritual people, that this promise of the Holy Spirit is only for, for small group leaders, for pastors. It is for every believer. Amen? Every one of you can receive the Holy Spirit and the fire and the spiritual fervor to carry out God's work. The last one phenomenon I want to look is in Acts 2.4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one, can you say each one? Each one was hearing them speak in his own language. There was not a single dialect or single language that was excluded. All languages of those present heard the wonders of God in their dialect. The message is loud and clear. God wants all men from every nation, all men and all women from every nation to be saved. The key phrase is in verse 5. It represents men from every nation under heaven. I took the time to show you this picture just to give you an idea of the nations that were represented in Acts 2. The first group is Parthian, Medes, and Elam. This is northeast Iran, northwest, and southwest Iran. All of that in that region. The second one is Mesopotamia. It's between the two rivers, Tigris and Euphrates. The upper Mesopotamia is modern-day Iraq and Turkey, and the Southern or lower Mesopotamia is Kuwait and Iran. And of course, Judea is where everything happened when the Holy Spirit was poured out and tongues of fire came on them and they were able to speak 
as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance, languages of people representing all these countries. And then the other group in four, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Pontus, Cappadocia, that is modern-day Turkey. And number five here, Egypt and Cyrene, which is modern-day Libya, is Africa. Rome there is Europe. Crete not only represents Greece, it also represents the islands. That would be Guam. Amen. Micronesia, Pacific Islands. And number eight, Arabia. That represents Middle East as well as the whole Asia. This list of nations reminds us exactly of the list of nations in Genesis 10 that led to the rebellion. Acts Genesis 11 was an act of rebellion. God came and confused the language. But Acts 2 is the redemption of that judgment. When the Holy Spirit was poured out, they were able to understand all the languages. Did you see? So there is a reversal of the judgment. In Babel, there was confusion of tongues. At Pentecost, tongues were understood. In Babel, language was used for selfish agenda. At Pentecost, language was used as a sign to announce the mighty works of God. In Babel, man tried to reach God through his own efforts. At Pentecost, God himself came down. In Babel, God scattered the people in judgment. At Pentecost, church will scatter to the ends of the earth, but as witnesses. As voluntary witnesses. And Babel, man united against God. At Pentecost, man united for God through the Holy Spirit. Babel resulted in division. Pentecost resulted in unity. The curse has been lifted. Now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us the two groups. Jews and Gentiles are Jews and all people one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, reconciling everyone to, to God through the cross. And the final verse we will look, verse 12. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? It only has one meaning. That salvation has come for the entire world. Amen? At Pentecost, God's Spirit turned the tide. This was a pivotal moment, a climax in History, a human history is a pivotal point in all of human history put together. An effectual door is now swung open. The gospel was going to the ends of the earth. This was going to be an unstoppable gospel. Amen? Let me quickly give you the summary of the significance of Pentecost because the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost. Now we are empowered, enabled, and empowered to be His witnesses. Not only us, but God prepared all human beings by pouring out His Spirit on all flesh. All dividing walls, all prejudices, all hostility has been broken. God is making us one in Christ. He is making us one family on earth. Amen? If we come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, the day the the day the church was born, God's Word is made available to all men. The Torah. It's now never before. Never in history where God's word is made evident to bear witness to the world. It's a season of deliverance and freedom. And the goal being in Habakkuk 2.14, that whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, even as the waters covers the sea. That the day will come, the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. I took all this time, sweating it all out, to say, let us never miss one of the greatest moments in human history. 
when God Himself came and poured out His Spirit, this was something that God was, uh, lots of godly people were looking forward. We are privileged to have it today. Let us never, ever take this lightly. We have been blessed by God so we could be a blessing. It doesn't matter if you're in business, if you are a grandma, a grandpa, all of us can be used by God as channels of His blessings to live a life of legacy. Legacy is not just about what we accomplish in this life. Legacy are the lives we touch for God. You touch one life, you you impact an entire generation of people. Would you be willing, would you be willing to be that vessel that God uses to touch generations by touching one life? Amen? You know, there's a, a, a verse in First Samuel, I like to close with this, 20, First Samuel 30, verse 24. David, King David made this an ordinance that the supplies of those who stayed, the reward for those who went to battle will be the same reward as those who stayed behind. I know you're inspired, man, but you say in your mind, but I cannot go to the nations. Let's, listen, every one of us can be involved in the global harvest. You can pray. The least you can do is pray for a nation. Pray for your missionaries. Pray for the church plants of our church. Amen? Pray for the missionaries, campus missionaries. The second least thing you can do is give. Support the mission of our church. Continue to give faithfully so this church can carry out its mission of touching not only Guam, but the islands in Micronesia. Amen? The least that we could do. And some of you may be called to go or called to share. Let me just close with a word of prayer for all of us. Father, I just speak your blessing upon this church. Life in the Son. What a name. Lord God, indeed, life is only found in Jesus. Lord, let this church be as a city set on a hill. Thank you for the growth. Thank you for the many more people that are being added. Lord, continue to bless them. Prosper their families. Prosper their businesses. Lord God, bless their children that they will grow up in the admonition and the fear of the Lord. But in the process of us getting blessed, let us never forget that there is a greater purpose why you bless us. And that is to be a blessing in this island. To be a blessing in Micronesia. To be a blessing in Asia. To be a blessing to the rest of the world. Prosper your people, Lord God, above and beyond what they can ask or think. So they can fulfill their covenant to be a blessing to all nations of the world. I speak increase, I speak blessing. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all God's people say a big, big amen. Give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah.